Um, it was Dallas, and then it was New England, and I think now it is Kansas City. And I, I, I did tell people that for a while. I said, you know, if they win another one, and Mahomes is is crowned, you know, the the official goat, because now there is no there's no background or there's no there's no backboard to throw against it. Because you look at before Tom Brady was in the league and you could always just say, well, until Tom Brady's out, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. And coincidentally in the same time period, Tom Brady leaves Patrick Mahomes wins another NFL title and he wins another MVP and he wins another Super Bowl MVP all within like the same, like week and a half of Tom Brady uh, getting out. And good for Tom. Good for Tom. He says he's going to retire and work on his relationship with his ex. So good for him. So apparently the papers have not been signed and reality show is upcoming. But you are now officially the most hated team in the NFL. And not only that, but things like this are not going to make things any easier. You're going to be back in our building in a few weeks. Can you say why you're coming yeah, back? Yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up, um, I was a huge, like, Farley, uh, Farrell, Fallon um, <laughs> kind of guy growing up. And, um, yeah, I used to watch Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live with my mother. And um, it's, a, it's an absolute honor and a, and a privilege to be uh, hosting SNL March 4th. Come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. Yes! It's going to be great! It's going to be great! I am so nervous for that. Oh, my God. You are going to be so good. I was talking to Lauren today. I'm like, oh, he's so charming, and he can sing, and he's fun, and it's so good. You think that about me? I do. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I know. I, I was like, yeah, I do. Oh, you're. I, it's amazing. <laughs> but Kelsey Ballerini is a musical guest. Yes. So that's. Yes. It's gonna be a hot show. Congratulations. Thank on you that. very much. That, of course, audio from NBC's Fallon, uh, the late night show with Jimmy Fallon. I just, I, I don't like Fallon. I'm not a big Fallon guy. Did you used to like Fallon until he became the late night host? I liked him until, like, he made it a point to break character on Saturday Night Live. I felt like he was the worst. Like, I like it when they laugh. Like, I'm sure you've seen the Mick Foley. Not Mick Foley, but the whatever he is. The van down by the river. Oh, Farley, not Motivational speaker. Yeah. And when David Spade and the lady are breaking character by laughing because they just literally, it's something that they've never. Like, Fallon got to the point where it just always happened. Um. But, yeah, I'm not a huge Fallon guy. I did like the skit that he did where he did the uh, Boston accent. Like, you are. No, you are. I freaking love you. Um, him and Rachel Dratch, I think, is who that was. Um, but Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. Not only are they officially a superstar team, but they have two personalities and which look very similar to what we've seen run the world of football and entertainment in New England, in Brady and Gronk. And when you look at the two, the quarterback kind of has to be the responsible one, I think, is the way, unless the situation obviously calls for it. So if you're at a parade and your house in Coors Light, that's totally fine. Brady was hammered. Remember when he won the Super Bowl, they had to, like, carry him out? Throwing and, trophies boat to boat. Yeah, and he was, you know, tossing Gronk the, the Lombardi, and then they show the famous picture of him being helped carry like it was weakened at Bernie's. Hit, that man had no kneecaps at that point in the afternoon. And the thing about this is that Gronk was always, like, the superstar personality 
But Brady was always like the superstar. And it's very similar to me with these two personalities that Travis Kelsey is where he's at. Because I thought when the Chiefs missed the Super Bowl last year and Kelsey, I think, did the the NFL Player Awards. I think he was wearing the pink suit for ESPN. The personality showed. He was going up and down the aisle. He was interviewing people. And he was just... He had it. This year was George Kittle, and it just seemed forced. Like, George Kittle is is a, well, that's tough to say on the air. He's he's like a very powerful drug. You, you, you do it once in a very small amount of it, and then you never need to do it again because it's it's officially in your system. The re- you, you've, you've lived it. So and, how much did Kyle Brandt do that night? Uh, a lot of George Kittle. When he, did the, when he did the angry run of the year, that was, in, that was too much. Um, but Kelsey really showed his personality and you kind of have always seen this with Travis Kelsey, right? He's, he's very attractive. He's very smooth. He's very Rico suave ish. Every female chiefs fan is in love with him. Um, and I say everyone, trust me, (laughs) every male fan is like, he's the definition of men want to be him and women want to be with him. That's Travis Kelsey's aroma. It's, it's very gravitational. You really, you, you draw to it. Patrick Mahomes when the necessary time comes for it, you're there as well. When it's Lake Tahoe season and they're doing the golf tournament, he's fun. The quick videos of him stumbling to pick the ball up out of the hole because he's had a few too many silver bullets. The parade where he's chugging beers. People are under throwing in beers to, to Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are Hollywood, man, and a small little last town in Kansas City where everybody doubted you, whether they want to believe it or not, you now have a very explosive superstar team, and it will be this way for the next few years. And that's why Richard of the Week kind of tiles into this topic because Saturday Night Live, that's a huge deal. Like, that's a huge deal. And I don't know how many athletes of the past from Kansas City have, you know, been the special guest on Saturday Night Live. It also opens up the jar of, you know, I don't know, questions of who shows up. I believe Mahomes is definitely there. I believe Mama Kelsey and Jason Kelsey are there. If I did a four-leg parlay of appearances that are related to Travis Kelsey, I would say Mahomes, Miss Kelsey, and Jason Kelsey all show up. That'd be a three-leg parlay for the Saturday Night Live of this. But what this basically shows you is that there is a headliner and there is a superstar with this Kansas City team. Your headliner is Patrick Mahomes, right? You watch Sunday Night Football, there are six primetime games. There are not six primetime games because it is – Travis Kelsey and the chiefs. There are six primetime games because it is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs. What does that include? Oh, we get Travis Kelsey too. Like everywhere Mahomes goes. Typically Travis Kelsey is there. The first name that is read is Patrick Mahomes, but the attention right is Travis Kelsey. You look at a familiar situation as well in a band like guns and roses. It was always Axl Rose's band, but slash was the guy that you watched. Travis Kelsey equals slash Patrick Mahomes equals the snake Axl Rose. In my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. That's how I believe Blake. I'm with you. And again, I think it comes from the demeanor of Patrick Mahomes, not really being in the limelight in the personality sense. Yes, he is in the quarterback sense and doing all the right things. Right. When you look at Travis Kelsey, I mean, the clothing line, the the you know, the fashion, yeah. the the catching Kelsey, the kind of the uh, like, like you mentioned the Rico Suave. I mean, every man wants to be him, women want to be with him. Right. That is a more Hollywood-esque super style profile, superstar profile. Mm-hmm. Pat is just 
you know, w- like <laughs> uh, like Mr. Wright said, watching God. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that's the other thing, too, is that they just do it well. And again, multiple times and multiple shots at success will eventually make you kind of more fitting for that role. It doesn't become strange. Like Joe Burrow was Joe cool two years ago. There is no conversation about Joe Burrow and his cool, you know, slyness. Two Super Bowl rings, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs kind of puts you on a level of somewhere where people are already crowning you as better than Peyton Manning and you're 27 years old. But again, Mahomes is still the headliner. Travis Kelsey is just the superstar that comes with it, right? Motley Crue was Vince Neal, but Tommy Lee was who they were watching, knowing damn well who the band was. David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar led Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen was the guy that every once in a while and every big moment, you kind of turned over and you're like, yeah, that concert was great. They really crushed. But man, did you see that blank play? Right? Like Patrick Mahomes against the Sandy or the Los Angeles chargers was 31 of 37 for 320 yards and two touchdowns. Boy, did you see, did you see that Travis Kelsey touchdown in overtime? One and two. And the best part about it, this is the best part about it. And this is what I want everyone to take with this is that they both know it. They both know it. Travis Kelsey knows it is Patrick Mahomes' world and he's living in it and there is no jealousy. There are certain people that didn't know that and they got out. And unfortunately for them, their life won't be as sweet. But now that you have this whole, I'm here and he's here, but together we're on top of it all, it's pretty damn sweet. If you had to ask me. Kind of on the other side, the NFL rules and what I thought was kind of intriguing of an audio cut that I heard earlier this week that I hope doesn't go this way, but if it does, it's 2023, and I kind of think it's irrelevant. Happy Friday night, Kansas City. Congratulations on getting through the week. This week extremely went by faster than the previous week, obviously. I just think it's hilarious how, like, Friday got here, like, this week, like it was, like, Usain Bolt. And last Friday got here like it was Bartolo Colon. Just a completely different vibe, completely different speed. Uh, From the 816, like the jab at Tyreek. I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, you want to be the highest paid receiver in the league? That's fine. I don't blame Tyreek. You got a you got a title. You did your thing. Bono in the edge is another person's comparison to uh, the front man and the superstar. Don't tell that to Bono. But again, I think that if you really want to look into it, I think that you need to have some serious look that just just run it off, man. Just just let it slide off the shoulder. They hate you because they ain't you. They hate us because they ain't us. Sounds a lot like anus, but it's it ain't us. That's that's what was said. Uh John Skipper said something this week that I think a lot of you have already heard, but maybe you haven't heard of my opinion on it. But I I'm not worried as much as maybe some people are, and I'll tell you why after you hear this audio clip. If you just assume that half of the people watched would still figure out a way to watch 
Um, if it costs $200, $250 for a household, you're just going to have more of what David said. You can have bigger parties, uh, which is, I don't know how many households, uh, it's, it's, I assume half the households in the United States watched. Um, if it was only a quarter of the households who were willing to pay $250 to have a party at their house, uh, it would still get you into the billions of dollars for a single game. Um, and that is the single best way I can think of for the NFL to increase their annual revenue take for their clubs is to make the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event. So that's fine. But how many of you out there uh, watch a UFC fight via somebody giving you a link, right? How many people out there, if you're still into wrestling, are literally going to download the WWE app to have it and then keep it? No. I understand that you want to go to pay-per-view, but that's the dumbest thing that you could possibly do in 2023. People will find a way around it. Somebody will have a sub package for it, whether it be some sort of bidding contest to where YouTube TV will say, well, you don't need to have to download the pay-per-view. You can just pay X for it. The other thing too, is that the days of pay-per-view aren't as powerful to me as they used to be. Like I grew up in a time in the attitude era in the WWE, where it was like, you went to somebody's house, your parents probably gave you a $10 bill and said, give this to Nancy, the man's mother for buying the pay-per-view and letting you come over. At least that's how I was raised. Because there was no Reddit. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook even. Hell, you could probably find it on Instagram. And I understand that the NFL is trying to make money. I, I, I 100% get that. They are a business that has, has yet to have a hiccup in their progression. It is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and we've yet to see the downslope of the mountain um, throughout the time. The other thing is, is that there are a lot of places to be able to watch things these days. And if you really think that pay-per-view is the answer to make more money, maybe this is where um, the NFL wouldn't be thinking in the right direction. And it probably wouldn't last for more than a year. In fact, the NFL does a very good job, whether you believe it or not, listening to its critics. Because I believe for a time, at least there was like a one-week stint where they put like a graphic up of a flag and Twitter took it by storm as to say how much they hated it and how much it was bad for the perception of the game. And the NFL took it down. Like I think at halftime, I can't remember the story exactly, but it was something to that degree where everyone on Twitter was hating what graphic was coming up. And when that would happen and the outreach of the community came out towards the NFL, they listened. And a lot of us do believe that there are different rules in the NFL that don't necessarily need to get made or that there is a way that they proof the NFL currently, which I wouldn't be against this to say this out loud, but I do believe that you could see some sort of Mahomes proofing in the future that's probably about as homer as you'll hear me sound towards the, or towards the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes just because I've seen it in the past. And golf did it with Tiger Woods. 
baseball did it with Bob Gibson. And now Mahomes is here. And it looks like Mahomes is probably going to be dominant for quite some time. Right? And the rules are going to change a little bit. Now there's also a rule change this offseason that is into pushing the running back or the quarterback, the 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 forward progress that just doesn't exist anymore or, any, or it just isn't infinitive as long as the person is is moving. I don't know how many legs that gets, but the thought process that they were thinking about moving the AFC title game to or the the championship game to a neutral site doesn't seem logical. Sometimes it's okay to just keep things the way they are. Like having the NFL's biggest game, the nation in the United States at least, biggest game when it comes to the football season. The other thing you have to think about is the revenue that comes with it. Like a commercial still big as a pop. They're already losing traction because they're available three days before via Twitter or Reddit or something like that that gets leaked out. Leaks happen all the time. Moving the NFL's biggest game, the Super Bowl, to a pay-per-view is absolutely, positively one of the worst things the NFL could ever do. How many of you have Netflix because of somebody else? How many of you have any sort of streaming device that doesn't belong to you, but your buddy gave you the passcode? How many, like I said at the start of this, how many times when you look at this UFC story or you watch a boxing match, like how many of you bought Tyson Fury's fight? Probably none of you. You waited for Carrington to send the bat signal, right? So if they do want to do this or they do want to throw this around, I do believe this is something that Roger Goodell will nip in the bud immediately and be like, absolutely not. So as somebody who covers the uh, UFC pretty extensively, Mm -hmm. we did the breakdown of how, I mean, every pay-per-view, if you had to pay for every pay-per-view, and let alone, you can't watch that pay-per-view unless you've bought ESPN Plus, which didn't give you access to the pay-per-view. It just gave you access to get access to the Mm pay-per-view. Breaking it down for a viewer costs no less than $1,200 a year. And that's without them jacking up prices, depending on what fight is coming out. So how would they even go about this? I just think that this is one of those things that's just like, leave it the way it is for the rest of time. I get it. The popularity numbers grow. The Scrooge McDuck meme kind of pops in my head where the eyeballs turn to money signs and just keep going and going and going. But I, I, I mean, if you do it, You're flirting with a chance to kind of discredit your product. Look at baseball, right? Bally sports. They only want to be on certain networks or certain devices. People are literally like, screw baseball. I don't need it then. I'll listen to it on the radio whenever I'm in my car or whenever I'm outside mowing or cooking or doing something. I just won't watch it anymore. I'll lose interest. It's not fun to me anymore. It's boring anyway. Because baseball just always tried to tinker with things and take it to different others. Plus there was a lot of things that happened in baseball that, you know, made people lose interest like cheating. But the thing with the NFL is that if you take something away that is dependent every single day and every single Sunday at the end of the season for a party and a watch party with commercials and players and fans and, and all that sort of stuff, betting as well, you're going to take away a percentage that you don't want to do. So the fact that you want to go to pay-per-view is is horrendous, in my opinion, if 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 you want my my take on the matter. Um, coming up, 
There is a quarterback carousel that is about to happen in this offseason, which I think can dictate where things will focus on when it comes to one AFC West division and also the next hot take for the Kansas City Chiefs next season. Everybody has their their vices, right? 316. UFC's for idiots. Well, it's not my cup of tea, but I mean, if Conor McGregor, like a big name guy, is fighting, I'll be interested. It's also one of those things that I'll put on in the background on like Saturday nights, and then like a knockout will happen, and it'll bring everybody into the living room for about five minutes, and then everyone will carry on. But I mean, we don't need to be we don't need to be mean. There's some people that like the UFC. I like the NBA. People think it's for idiots. I feel like old boy is taking a shot at me. You big UFC guy? Big time. I do uh, uh, post-fight shows and everything. There you go. But I get it. Who's the greatest UFC fighter of all time? The greatest? Yeah. It's John Jones. John Bones Jones. He's getting ready to fight again, too, isn't he, right? Yeah, UFC 285. Not the most liked champion of all time. Yeah. Off the uh, off the court stuff, right? Some uh, some PPVs or some uh, PEDs, is that right? Possible PEDs, a little bit of the booger sugar, uh, hit and run action. Who knows? I feel like cocaine would be a very powerful drug in the UFC. Uh, it, it it's it's definitely it should should not be taken lightly. Uh, it wasn't in the PGA. Shout out Dustin Johnson. Um, as he was suspended for that, I'm pretty sure. Lawrence Taylor, Michael Irvin in the NFL, Daryl Strawberry in the MLB. It, it finds its way. Um, but it's cool if a guy does LSD and does a, a perfect game. Uh, anyways, uh, the NFL's quarterback carousel is about to heat up. The number one name has to fall first for the rest to follow suit. Uh, that name, of course, is the one none other than Aaron Rodgers. I think the most important part about thinking about where these quarterbacks land and, and what they do. And these quarterbacks that I think is the, the carousel is Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, And I do believe Ryan Tannehill is on his way out of Tennessee. I think via trade or whatever it may be. Um, there are teams that might necessarily have the weapons. They just don't have, uh, they don't have the, the, they have the ammunition. They don't have the weapon. I guess it's a better way to put that. They got the bullets. They ain't got the gun. Derek Carr is estimated this via spot track on Twitter. Derek Carr estimated 50 million guaranteed wherever he does. Uh, assuming all can be had this offseason. Would you rather have Derek Carr an estimated 50 million guaranteed Lamar Jackson trade compensation plus uh, an estimated 200 million guaranteed Aaron Rodgers trade compensation uh, compensation plus 60 million guaranteed Ryan Tannehill the same. If you went and got him, it'd be a trade compensation and it would be plus 27 million non-guaranteed. So Tannehill kind of has a sexier contract than most. I do believe that Aaron Rodgers will be the first domino to fall. And then the rest will follow suit throughout the rest of the off season. Obviously we have a little bit of time before that begins and there will be more stories that come out. Plus we need um, Aaron Rodgers to come out of his, uh, out of his black hole that he is in. That is not a, uh, 
and it's not a sexual reference. That is just a, a reference because he went to a cabin with, I think there was just a food slot where they would give him food, and then everything else was pitch black. But, I mean, hey, to each their own. That's how I uh, prefer to go to sleep at night. Um, one thing I think is interesting about Aaron Rodgers is that I do believe Aaron Rodgers will have a very successful post-NFL career just because of where things are currently in our world. I think he, I think he speaks interesting things. Not necessarily things that I agree with, nor that I enjoy listening to, but interesting is more powerful than I think than maybe likability. Right? Like, I don't, I won't listen to a Rogan podcast every week, but if there's a guest on there like Theo Vaughn, that's interesting. I'll listen to that. Aaron Rodgers kind of has a little bit more interesting clout to him just because of the storylines. And I don't know if that speaks more highly in Vegas or if that speaks more highly in New York. Now, there are things that can defend his New York side, which I will explain, the city itself, right? Because this all is kind of started, as Blake and I saw this earlier, that Green Bay is disgusted, quote, with Aaron Rodgers, which is fine. This is like year three of the carousel. This was probably the, you know, a more disappointing year for people that watch Aaron Rodgers and especially all the money that he made and the, the baggage that he brings. And I think one thing that's interesting about Aaron Rodgers, is like, do you want to go to New York? Do you want to go to Vegas? Vegas is a lot more open-minded to things. Vegas is a little bit more, you know what we are. New York says they are but they'll turn on you quicker and faster than any other media or any other town in any other place in the United States. I know Aaron Rodgers is one who speaks of, I don't really care, but I also believe that Aaron Rodgers is a guy who would host a roast of himself. And then at the end of it, just absolutely break down. Some people aren't about it when they say they don't mind it. I think that if he goes to the jets It opens up Lamar Jackson to either Miami in a trade or it opens Lamar Jackson to the Raiders via trade. As in, it's going to cost the Raiders their first round pick, probably their second round pick, probably a lot of picks because we all know the Raiders don't have enough money. In fact, they don't have any money. They're broke. We reported that a long time ago on this program. Thanks to those of you that listened but they couldn't fire their coach and they won't fire their coach because they don't have the money to do it. Sorry. So why Aaron Rodgers makes sense in Vegas. Devontae Adams is there. The head coach is a bit of a pushover. And he's Aaron Rodgers in Las Vegas. Why Aaron Rodgers makes sense in New York The head coach is a defensive-minded genius. I do believe that in Robert Sala. He's going to kind of let Aaron Rodgers do what he wants to do. Plus, you know who the offensive coordinator is in the New York Jets' new system. It's Nathaniel Hackett, the guy that Denver took because they thought that he could bring over that Rodgers sort of clout. That's what Russell Wilson wanted with him. We can do this together, Nate. See ya. Should have hired Eric Bieniemy. Probably would have been a little bit more successful. I'm, I don't know. And if he goes to New York and it works out, because you know New York had the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year, they have a really good 
Uh, they have a really good offensive set. Garrett Wilson is, is, is better than most people give him credit for. Their running back who left, who was great, who got hurt, he'll be back next year, young, fantastic. And then you had Aaron Rodgers. New face, new place, New York. It's like Nick Cage getting off the bus in Con Air. Same picture, same thing. Coincidence that he was Nick Cage in Con Air this year? Probably. And I understand that Aaron Rodgers is at the end of his career, and maybe there are things that, you know, people don't think that he could possibly do anymore. The last two MVPs he won back-to-back-wise was the end of the career. And again, I'm not saying that any of these guys are going to do things better than they've done before or fix these teams because I see the text line. No quarterback will fix Vegas. Miami, on the other hand, yes. But you throw Aaron Rodgers back to Devontae Adams, they're not losing those one-possession games all the time. They may still lose them. But the other thing, too, that you do have to remember, and maybe you can call me a guy looking at this with rose-colored glasses, you come to the AFC West. You're going up against the best twice a year. Now, we've never seen Mahomes versus Rodgers, and I'm champing at the bit to get to that. But the thing about coming to the West is last year, everyone said, hey, 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 this division might be the toughest in the, in the entire NFL, and it wasn't. And the Chiefs ran through it, and Denver was worse than people thought, and the Raiders were worse than everyone thought because of who their head coach is. Well, the thing is, maybe that pipe dream is over. Now, I know Denver's given it all they got with Sean Payton. But Sean Payton's still got to turn water into wine with Russell Wilson. And I don't know if he can do that. Sean Payton also comes from a record of being with Drew Brees during the good times. So we'll see. But I think Aaron Rodgers has to be the first quarterback to fall in this carousel this offseason. Because, in fact, if you think about it once again, there's money to be involved. And assuming all can be had this offseason, would you rather, according to Track, Derek Carr, an estimated $50 million guaranteed, Lamar Jackson, trade compensation, plus estimated $200 million guaranteed, Aaron Rodgers, trade compensation as well, plus $60 million guaranteed, or Ryan Tannehill, trade compensation, and $27 million non-guaranteed? Depends on where your team is and where you believe your team needs to go because all you need to know is there's a team at the top. And they've already surpassed all the things they need to do, and they're going to sit back and keep beating the living you-know-what out of the league until somebody figures it out. Coming up on the other side, Ned Yost. After hours, 610 Sports Radio. Dusty Likens with you. Blake with you as well. Is this night one for you or is this? No, I was with uh, I was with the boys, uh, Alex and or, uh, Cody and Gold all during the Super Bowl week. That's right. But most people didn't get to hear me because they were on remote. So that was just too hard to do. Yeah. We'll have to do a night. Some night when you're on because it's too late now. We don't get enough enough draw here but let's do like an introduction night where we'll do uh like rapid fire questions and let the people know who you are hell yeah i'm down we already know you're an idiot of course because you, you watch ufc um 
Cody and Gold, no, I can't read. Yep. Reading's tough, man. It's like golf. You have good days and bad days. For sure. Uh, I will talk about golf a little bit later on tonight because I think it's interesting that uh, breaking news, Tiger Woods probably will uh, make the cut. The cut will be at plus one. He sits at plus one. So for those of you that bet the Tiger Woods making the cut prop uh, boost bet of a plus 200, uh, congratulations. Um, He had to feel really good yesterday when he finished birdie, 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 and then today finished bogey, bogey, bogey. Uh, Not good. Um, But one thing I want to talk about is is Ned Yost. And earlier tonight, I had uh, Josh Vernier on, and I asked Vern, what was Ned Yost's legacy? Uh, Two minutes and nine seconds of uh, Josh Vernier telling you exactly what that might be. You mentioned Ned Ned Yost earlier uh, being on Fesco. I want to ask you, because you were in the thick of it for for many, many years and in the right part of it, what is Ned Yost's legacy with the Kansas City Royals? Uh... Well, the winningest manager in Royals history, um, Royals Hall of Famer, uh, World Series champion, two-time American League champion. The Hall of Fame and and baseball people around the country would say that Whitey Herzog is is the greatest manager that has ever donned a a Royals uniform. But statistically, it's, it's Ned Yost. He has a pair of pennants. He has that world title matching Dick Hauser. And, um, you know, I, I thought... Former Kansas City star beat writer uh, Bob Dutton, uh, a guy that held that position through uh, the worst of times uh, throughout the 90s and the early part of the 2000s, and, and, and he handed the reins off at the Kansas City star right as the Royals got good going into that 2014 season. I thought he put it best on Twitter because he was there in 2010 with Ned, he was there in 2011. Now, I covered Ned in Milwaukee and then came back in Kansas City, but I just rode the gravy train in 13, 14, and 15. <laughs> but l- let me read what Bob Dutton wrote. He says, I covered the Royals during their darkest years. When they began building the club that would win the title in 2015, there were a lot of bumps. Everyone involved had their doubts. Everyone involved had doubts they would get there. I don't care what anyone says now. Everyone had their doubts except Ned. He never wavered in his belief. And that, I think, is his legacy for as much as we were looking at him like he was a bozo. Like, bro, okay, yeah, Haas might be the truth. Okay, Greg Holland, but not all of them. We're not going to hear about Moose as he's hitting a buck 60 in Esky when he should be hitting in the ninth spot. But Ned, in his heart, believed these guys were going to turn into champions, and they ultimately did. So, uh, you know, once he won that title, Ned always had an attitude of, can't tell me nothing, and, and and you heard him with Fesco this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still riding high on that title as he uh, deserves to. So that one, Josh Vernier, Royals insider here on After Hours tonight, telling you what Ned Yost's legacy was. And I think Ned Yost, when it's all said and done, I think it'll be looked at a little bit differently than maybe as it is now. I think there is still a a mixed group of people that have opinions about Ned Yost um, that maybe are different than what they might be when the ceremony starts or 10 years from now, even when his number is retired. I do believe that there are two other numbers besides his to be retired. I'll bring those up in just a bit, but I think Ned Yost will always to me be remembered as kind of just like a red ass. Ned Yost, I think we've all maybe at least at some point in our lives, if you played uh, competitive sports, you had a coach like this. And, you know, for basketball, I was fortunate enough to be coached by my father, who was 
intelligent enough about the sport and also about, you know, extremely intelligent about being somebody who could really teach you life lessons and let you figure them out and, and maybe, you know, dial them up. Ned Yost was, was kind of the same, but also kind of took a piece of humble pie after the 12 and 13 year. If you remember, there was a lot of quotes by Ned Yost about, oh yeah, where's the, you know, the third base tree that I can just pluck them off of. What do you want me to do? Bend them over my knee and spank them. And I think a lot of that can come across as, as kind of cheeky or unlikable. And I think the way that you look at when it comes to what Ned Yost's legacy will eventually become, it will become one of the, or the most winningest manager in franchise history, unless somebody knocks it off. And that's not saying that, that, the skipper Q can't do that. But Ned Yost was one of those guys that was criticized, that was humbled, and then came back and turned it all around. Started listening to his bench coach. He he referenced that on Fesco's show one day when I was producing for Bob and Josh. I remember it. You know, like, what had changed? What was different? And he said it straight out. He was like, you know what? Like, learning to lean on my guys that focus on certain individual aspects, even though I might know more about the game than they do overall, they know more about what pitcher does well in this situation. And once Ned figured that out, the end was near. Was Ned blessed with an anomaly of a bullpen? Absolutely. But you still got to get it right. There's a lot of guys that are blessed with a sea of talent and they don't win at all. Hell, the New England Patriots went 16-0. and Lost in the Super Bowl. The only loss they had. They didn't get it right. They lost to the Giants. They didn't have it officially right that game. And they had, at the time, the best quarterback-wide receiver combo in the league had seen in quite some time. Records would indicate that. And Ned Yost, who then won a title and won more games, and I think has lost more games than any manager in Royals franchise history, 100% was criticized and probably well-deserved of it. But he also gave you exactly what you wanted. A taste at title and a town that had been pining for one since 85. And boy, it was fun. And yes, there were quotes and there were things that rubbed you the wrong way. And there were also good times. Like when Cody Tapp talked to Ned Yost about landing on the moon. One time I asked Ned Yost, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Jay Binkley's eyes bulged out of his head and we were doing a post-game interview and at the time, Brad Fanning was here, and Vern was off doing something. And Fanning was doing the pre- and post-game that day. And I know Fanning remembers this, and so does Binkley. And it was during, you know, the player uniform days where they wear the nicknames on the back of the shirts. And they had played at the time, the Cleveland Indians, that weekend, and they had lost the final game of the series but had won the previous two. So in my mind... The vibes were still fine. Baseball is a grind of a season. Two out of three is kind of the way you want to have your mantra be in baseball. You win two out of three every series, you're going to win a massive amount of games, be very successful, obviously. And I looked at Ned, and I was like, so how do you think in the middle of the you know the summer in August, Ned, that these players enjoy you know being able to, to break character and have fun with these, with these jerseys? And he looked at me and he goes, you know, I don't know how much fun they have. They get them early in the season. There's about 10 minutes of joy, and then they put them in their closet. I follow up with, okay, well, 
do you have a nickname that, that you wear on the back of yours? Because this just said Ned. And he looked at me immediately. He goes, yeah, I got a nickname. And I just went, okay, no further questions. Now, they did lose that day like 9-3, to three, but I didn't think that it was like the end of all be all. And I knew at that point, like, all right, you asked Ned a question. Somebody is not going to ask Ned a question ever because of the response they might get. And I liked that about Ned Yost. And I'm glad that he's in the Royals Hall of Fame. I like people that are original and stick to their roots. And that is something that I will always remember about Ned Yost. And you all will remember him when his number is retired. And there will be a statue. And I think eventually the next guy that will get this type of notoriety will be next year. when the, Or when his availability is up. It will not be next year. But in a couple years, will be Alex Gordon. And by the time the new stadium is built, just like when this stadium was renovated and the numbers were there and then they moved to the Hall of Fame, you'll have six numbers at the end of the day be retired by the Kansas City Royals officially in my mind. 10, 5, and 20 are already there. The next will be Ned's, Gordon's, and Salvador Perez. And I think you will have those six numbers until Bobby Witt, and Brady Singer are done. I'm kidding, kind of. Until they move on from those three. But I think eventually you will have six total numbers retired. Ned, Salvi, Gordon. And I think there will be a statue of all three of them somewhere sprinkled around the stadium, just like there is with the other three. Coming up on the other side, we've done two hours. We've got one left. I want to get back into the question of the night, and I also want to go back over the Eric Bieniemy story that has broken ground and is now official. The contract is done. All that next on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio.